Welcome to Locarno Meets, where the most exciting new talent and established legends of cinema come to chat about art, life, movies, and everything in between. Brought to you by UBS and hosted by me, Alexander Miller, from Locarno Film Festival. No one gets their dream job. If you're lucky, you might get somebody else's dream job, but yours? Chances are one in a billion. But I suppose Eugene Hernandez is that one, because just a few decades ago, he was a young indie film nerd whose mind was blown by a trip to Sundance Film Festival, and now he's the director and head of programming. After a glittering career that saw him set up the movie site IndieWire and run New York Film Festival, now he's at the helm of American indie cinema's most important institution. In a movie landscape of tech takeovers and writer strikes, his job running both the festival and the institute at Robert Redford's Empire has never been more important. I think a lot about my first festival. Mm -hmm. It was 1993, very long time ago. And I think why it was so special, and I'll talk in a second about a moment at that festival, but I think why it's so special is because the Sundance Festival was a place in the late 80s and 90s that I was hearing about. Mm -hmm. It was this name attached to films that were resonating with me. I was at UCLA, I was in college, and when I saw a film by Todd Haynes, Poison, or when I saw Jenny Livingston's Paris is Burning, or when I saw Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, these were all films that resonated with me. And these were all films that came from this place called Sundance. I didn't, I really did not know what a film festival was in the late 80s, early 90s in college. However, I was doing a sort of version of what I've done throughout my career at that early stage of my life. I was curating and programming and organizing film screenings and concerts and lectures while cool. I was at UCLA. After UCLA, I was working in television at ABC Television, which is a television network in the States, just like an entry-level job. And one of my best friends from college, I reached out to him and I said, why don't we just go see what this is all about, Sundance? So, um, Man, it's cool being young, isn't it? <laughs> I know. And, and I didn't know what I didn't know. So it was just... Um, Let's just go figure it out. And one of the first films I saw at the festival that really made an imprint uh, on me was Robert Rodriguez's film, El Mariachi. And a great story about how he like donated blood platelets to like finance the film. And while I was, while I was at the festival, I got to meet him. He must've been about your age. About my age, yeah. coming to the festival. Um, there weren't a lot of Latino folks at the festival that year. So actually someone who was a fan of the film actually thought I was him at one point <laughs> and asked me to sign his autograph and I couldn't let them down. So I signed it. Yeah, well, that's good but, of you. <laughs> so I told Robert that story and we just kind of bonded. And, and it was this notion of like, you know, being in your twenties, going to a festival, connecting with film, connecting with the artists behind the film. It was just like this kind of transformation for mm -hmm. me. Uh, and it's it's actually something that I see here in Locarno, where you have such a great energy from all of the young audiences, you know, through the the academy programs, the Critics Academy, the Artist Academy, Industry Academy, and other programs here in Locarno. Um, so there's it's just something about some of those early experiences, especially at festivals, that really make an imprint. Mm. And I think that 
that was one of the ones that just kind of stands out immediately. And I was just hooked. I was hooked on the experience. I was hooked on independent film. I'd already been kind of exploring independent film at UCLA, but now I had like a, a lens through which to look at it, to understand it. And Sundance was like my, my gateway really into to a better understanding of American independent cinema. And I've shy of one year, I've been there every year since. So you're kind of programming your, your first Sundance for, for 2024. Yeah. Do you start with an internal kind of mission or theme or some kind of, you know, coherent thought about how to do it? Or you just dive in and go, right, what's good movies? I mean, it certainly is about good movies and the movies that, that move you as a programmer. And we're a programming team. I'll talk about that in a second. But at Sundance, it really starts from the founding principles of Robert Redford as kind of an alternate space, an alternative space to the world he inhabited very successfully in Hollywood. But he was finding that there were artists, filmmakers, writers, actors who had stories they wanted to tell, but that Hollywood wasn't the place that was inviting them to tell these stories. So they had to figure out how to make this work independently outside the system of Hollywood. And he created before the festival an institute, a, a place with these Sundance labs that would invest in and nurture and support young artists at a, often at a very early stage of their career or with films that just didn't fit in the Hollywood system. So we're outside of that system. So it's really when you start the process of, when we start this process of putting together the festival, it's really for me grounding myself and mm -hmm. the team in the ethos and the, the ideas and thinking that went into creating the place in the very first place. It's about centering the artist, placing mm -hmm. the artist at the center of the work and going in open to uh, the stories and the diversity and the range of ideas that are coming from independent artists, whether in the US or around the world. So it starts from there. It's really going in curious, mm. going in open. I learned something recently from Kim Yutani, who is the director of programming for Sundance. Kim was saying that when she watches a film, that the moment she starts to watch it, she imagines the film at the festival and how that film might play at the festival. Now, Sundance gets 15,000 entries, so there isn't space to show every single one of those films. That's features and shorts. But from the beginning, it's how might this film mm. be received and presented at the festival? And then from there, we make tough decisions about which films will be invited. As much, obviously, you know, you've got to pay respect to, you know, the, the, the principles and ideas and philosophy of Redford when he, yeah. when he began it. But I'm interested to know what you think the future looks like for Sundance as well. Like, is growth something that you care about? Do you want Sundance to reach more people or are you happy to stay the size you are, but get better? Well, I think that the future of Sundance is dependent on the future of independent storytelling. Mm -hmm. As we see right now, and again, we're talking in August, there's, there are strikes going on in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, led by artists, writers and actors who are fighting for equality and representation in the future of our industry, mm -hmm. it's already tough to make an independent film, whether in the U.S. or outside. 
So when we think about the future, I think it's really how can we continue to center artists and their needs and goals and dreams in the work that we do. I think it's, it's about, it's about being mindful of that mm. in relation to the changing way that audiences continue to watch and engage with independent film. I don't think we use the word bigger. I think we use the word deeper. Mm. How can we make decisions in our work with the festival and at the Institute? I also lead public programs at the Institute. Um, so how can we make choices and decisions that will impact artists in an even more deep and supportive way coming out of whatever this moment of change and um, this fight that's going on right now? You know, a key part of the arguments within the strikes is fundamentally coming from the creators that their lives, their existences are under-respected by some of the studios and some of the studio heads. And what I would have thought that, you know, what Sundance can be a really key player in is protecting the respect for the art form and eulogizing for that art form to new audiences as well. We are absolutely champions for independent voices, freedom of expression, artistic expression. And in the same way that Robert Redford created this institute and festival 40 plus years ago, it'll be the 40th edition of the mm. Sundance Festival, this coming edition in 24. We do think a lot about and talk a lot about the support that, that artists need. Um, I think the way that we can be the best allies and supporters of artists is by, well, first just listening to artists, talking to artists. There's this amazing alumni of Sundance that- Tarantino, Kugler, the Daniels, everyone. <laughs> there's so many amazing artists that got their start um, often at one of our labs, mm. uh, led by my incredibly inspiring colleague, Michelle Satter, who runs these labs and she's the founding director of these of the labs. She's being honored with the Jean Hersholt Humanitarian Award by the Academy. She's going to receive an Oscar later this year for nice. her work. So when in doubt, center the artist and their needs and what they're aiming to achieve. So I think a lot about that uh, in, in, in the work that I do now. And I try to think about that through line for myself going back to the work at Lincoln Center the partnerships we had with Locarno, bringing academy programs to support artists and women of people of women, people of color, queer artists at at Lincoln Center at the New York Festival, and then um, my work um, when I was at IndieWire. I try to think about that through line mm. to to independent artists, and I think that um, if we can continue to engage and connect with, talk with artists, it will lead us in the right direction at every juncture to be the best uh, institute and, and ally and supporter to artists that we can. It strikes me that the kind of the unnerving or downright scary kind of global lurch to the right over the last few decades is not only a threat to the beliefs held dear by, you know, by Sundance, by, you know, most people involved in independent cinema, but also to independent cinema itself, as especially across Europe, a, a lot of artists rely on government funding and stuff. In that prism, do you think that Sundance has by its nature become almost a political organization on some level? I think for us, the way we think about it is a, is a little bit different in the sense that 
we first and foremost support artists and react to and respond to the needs of artists. So freedom of expression and navigating even just the red tape of trying to make a movie, whether that be the challenges of raising money and, sure. and distributing a film in the U.S. or films finding a home at festivals or through funding organizations or through national organizations here in Europe or other parts of the world, all around the world in the places that we travel every year. So I think for us, it's more about being an organization that can, that can both support and champion artists. Mm. I think that means being there at the beginning of their career, artists at an early stage, hoping to get an idea seen, heard, supported uh, at one of our labs or through one of our um, grants or other programs. And then hopefully through the festival or through other programs that we might have that help those films break through. I think that we are hopefully a, a gateway or a bridge, maybe a bridge for a film or filmmaker mm. to an audience. And I think that supersedes and that can subvert everything else that's happening at any given moment in so many different places in the world. If we can continue to find ways to connect audiences directly with art and artists and stories, that can be truly powerful outside of any other system you might be thinking about. So what are the ways then that you would connect new audiences with great art? Because, you know, the artists of tomorrow are just the audience of today, you know? So last weekend... I was in I was in Utah, our home state, for a summer program. Mm. So when you're asking about and thinking about how we engage with audience, we designed a program. Sundance has been presenting programming in Utah, not just the festival, but outside the festival for decades now. Sure. Shortly after I started, um, the team that works with with me on the pro public programming side of mm. of of the work came to me and said. Sundance was presenting like weekly outdoor film screenings in Salt Lake City and Park City um, in the summer. So like a movie night once a week. And the team came to me and said, we really think we could do more, have a bigger impact for the artists and the films if we could compress and condense this summer program into like a long weekend. Mm -hmm. So we reimagined the program and it took place over the last, over the last four days of the month of, of July, the last weekend in July. I was there to participate in the program, to introduce films, to meet audiences. Uh, we held a pitch program for local Utah filmmakers and storytellers. So we're there in Utah and showing films, some were outdoors, some were in Park City and Salt Lake and in other uh, rural areas around, around the region. And it was a real um, reminder of how in, well, A, what an incredibly diverse audience there is in Utah. Yeah diverse in every possible definition of the word, uh, a very open, inclusive and curious audience. And, and also being able to take films to, to parks, to movie theaters in downtown Salt Lake, to a farm on, in a rural part of, of the state and to have like thousands of people come out over the course of these four days for these screenings was a, very grounding reminder of what's possible. Just as art house theaters are struggling all over the world and certainly all over the U.S., theaters are closing. Utah has some really great 
art house movie theaters, but they aren't spread out, spread around the entire state in every community. So Sundance was able to um, leverage its relationships with Utah and with artists and be that, that connector to, to invite audiences to experience a film that they might not have otherwise. What films did you show? Uh, we showed we showed a selection of films from this year's festival. So we had a documentary called Food and Country uh, that we showed on a farm uh, in, in rural Utah. Nice. Um, which was amazing. And we showed... Um, Kokomo City, which was an award-winning film from our next section, just just opened the, on the same night that it was opening in New York City, downtown. We had a screening of the film in in Utah, so the opportunity to to really like connect Utah local audiences with films at the moment that they're also opening in New York City at an art house downtown was really exciting, and and it was a kind of highlights program of films from this year's festival with some of the artists traveling. And we actually did it over the same weekend that uh, Sundance Institute's producers lab was happening. So we we're able to have producers who were participating in that lab and, and working as advisors and mentors come and actually have a conversation and participate in a pitch program with local artists as well. Obviously the collective cinema theater viewing experience is what we all love. I'm interested to know what your approach is to perhaps taking those films places that it's hard to go physically and basically using the internet for it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I think the, the, the general philosophy of collaboration that kind of flows through Sundance is it's a global message. And, and a lot of people out there want to hear it and want to also be inspired by those films. Well, look, we are evangelists for independent storytelling. We are evangelists for, for freedom of expression. So I think two very interesting ways that Sundance can can support and engage films finding an audience mm -hmm. at a time when audience habits are changing and new ways of, of engaging with cinema um, are continuing to evolve. One is through our, our virtual festival, which will continue again this year for the third year. About half of our program will be available on a virtual platform for a very narrow window of time sure. during the festival. And we're adjusting the model slightly to um, create more space within the physical festival to really give films a chance to, to take root. We talk a lot about first impressions. How do you yeah. give the film the best possible first impression so that audiences, critics, industry, other curators, um, local audiences can connect with those films and create the, the buzz, the attention, mm -hmm. the noise. And then later in the festival for a narrow window for just a few days, um, audiences uh, around the country can, can tune in and watch about half the program. So that's one thing we think about. And, and I think also about what we might do long-term outside the festival with, um, with opportunities to help audience, to help film, films find audiences through new ways that audiences are engaging with film. Separate from that, um, because we do believe strongly, deeply on, uh, in the importance of, of not only gathering in a community and having that experience of watching a movie on a farm or being outside at a place like the Piazza Grande with, you know, thousands of people watching a movie on a giant screen or in a park in Park City, Utah. We also think a lot about art house theaters and how fragile that network of theaters are, especially in the U.S. So um, Sundance is supportive, is a, is a fiscal sponsor and supportive of the art house convergence network and group that's been emerging and it 
Sundance supported this group, oh, I think more than 10, 15 years ago with space to have meetings at when, 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 when folks were at, at Sundance. And now this organization, I, in my previous life at Lincoln Center, I served on the advisory board uh, as the group was kind of reconstituting itself. And now they've elected a board of directors. Sundance is, is a f- fiscal sponsor and they're incorporating and creating a proper nonprofit organization. So we are supportive of that effort as well. So anything we can do to bring attention to and support the efforts of independent theaters that are doing the work in their communities already on the ground through education programs, through weekly screenings, through opportunities to gather. Um, when we talk about how we can best support artists, I think that's that's a role that we can have in just helping to shine a light and also be supportive of so many of these mom and pop, often nonprofit art house theaters that are all over the country, uh, but are still facing uh, tough times. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. Um, good luck with Sundance 2024. You've thank been you. waiting your whole life to do it. I'm sure you'll <laughs> smash it. I hope to see you there. Thanks again to Eugene. This has been Locarno Meets, a podcast from Locarno Film Festival brought to you by UBS. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. This has been a true anti-classic production hosted by me, Alexander Miller, and produced by Jack Boswell.